Welcome to Nothing Confidential, the podcast. I'm Kristen Henke, your hostess with the mostest, guide from the side, and mistress of ceremonies. Together, we're about to explore and deconstruct the shame and stigma surrounding our sexuality. You heard that right. We're going deep on the topics of sex, relationships, spirituality, health, and everything else that impacts our ability to live, love, and orgasm freely. My hope is to shine a light on our shared experiences by normalizing taboo topics and empowering each of you to reclaim autonomy of your pleasure, your bodies, and your lives. You are now entering a judgment-free zone where I ask all the uncomfortable and embarrassing questions for you. Our unofficial mantra is be curious, not judgmental. So leave your inner prude at the door or strap her in tight because this is happening. Hey guys, it's Kristen. Welcome to dun, 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 Nothing Confidential, the podcast. You guys, this is the official first episode that I am putting out into the world. And I am so excited to introduce you to today's topic and my very first guest, Dr. Laura Gordy, who is a pelvic floor specialist from Nashville, Tennessee. She is an expert. She knows lots of things about Our Lady Boxes, and I was very excited to pick her brain and understand the importance of really good pelvic health. Uh, It is something that a lot of people don't think about at all until something is wrong. Um, We address kind of the... I don't even know how how to really say it. The common story that once you give birth or get a little older or whatever, something happens to you that no one really shares a lot about. And all of a sudden, if you're jumping on a trampoline, uh, laughing, sneezing, or coughing without warning, you're going to pee your pants a little bit. And so we, we dig into that because I definitely, I don't know about you, I have a problem with that. So we talk about that. We talk about the importance of pelvic health and awareness around uh, our our health in general. We talked about optimal pooping positions. I fired some other good questions uh, that I had gotten from you guys on Instagram her way, and she handled them expertly and graciously and with humor. One of those questions was, when I go to see a pelvic floor therapist, do I have to take off my pants? The answer to this question, and so much more, can be found in this interview. So I hope you're ready for that. A couple of unofficial and official facts about uh, Dr. Gordy. She is actually originally from Louisiana, though surprisingly she does not have that thick of an accent, although she swears that that is not the case when she's on the phone with her family. Um, She's really obsessed with personality tests. So you guys who are crazy into the Enneagram and Myers-Briggs and all of that, um, in case you wanted to know, she is a one Enneagram. She's an INTJ, and on the DISC scale, I think she is a CD. So if anyone out there is uh, looking for a best friend match, you've got those stats. Um, But she received her doctorate of physical therapy in LA, where she accidentally fell in love with women's health as someone who has herself uh, experienced incontinence and painful intercourse she definitely understands uh, the embarrassment and the isolation that can arise, which is why she became really passionate and dedicated her practice to letting other women know that they're not alone. And she spends her days helping them heal themselves and dominate womanhood. So you guys, I hope you're excited. I definitely am. If you want to interact with me uh, while you're listening or afterwards, slide on into my DMs um, at kristen.hanky on Instagram or at Nothing Confidential on Instagram. You can also go to nothingconfidential.com, sign up for the email newsletter, or shoot me an email from over there. Uh, What else, guys? Tell me at nothingconfidential.com. That is the email address. If you just want to send me some mail, send me mail. Let's engage. Let's talk about it. The whole point of these conversations is to create a point from which we can jump off into our own inquiries and uh, curiosities and things. So I'm really excited to share Dr. Laura's expertise with you and get you real educated on your pelvic floors. So see y'all on the other side. Love ya. 
So we're, we're just going to start rolling. Um, Dr. Gordy, I'm so excited to have you on the show today. I, you are a pelvic floor therapist, uh, summed up. That is the primary. Do you have any other titles that you like to, to go by? No physical therapists that deals with vaginas. I don't know. He just wanted to badge doc. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Well, so as we're getting to know each other, cause this is, I always, um, like to give people like the meat cute of how we met, like quote unquote air quotes met. Um, I, it was a, it was a mutual like stalking online situation. I was looking you up, uh, to, to refer postpartum clients to you. Didn't get a chance to actually connect with you before I moved to Chicago and all of our transitions started. Um, but as soon as I got things in place, uh, the podcast has been in, in concept has existed for about a year, but as soon as I got prepared to actually push record, I was like, I need to have this girl on to talk because <laughs> there's so many unknowns about our pelvic floor, which is such an important part of our bodies and our lives and our ability to experience pleasure and not embarrass ourselves. So <laughs> oh absolutely, I'm so glad you said that. Yeah. It's an honor to be here. I'm glad that you're, you're doing so much to kind of educate people about pelvic health and just bodies and femininity. And I I love it. So thank you for what you do. Ah, It's mutual, mutual gushing. (laughs) I love it so much. Um, I'd love to get started just like how, how you ended up here. This is, it's a very broad question, but I, from reading your bio and that kind of thing, you yourself have experienced um, incontinence and painful intercourse. And like, there was a journey that brought you to the moment where you're like, pelvic floor health is for me. Take us down that path real quick. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, so actually, I experienced symptoms after I was already practicing in pelvic health, so it was interesting. Um, I w- went to PT school, and I wanted to work with runners and tennis players, and it was by accident that I got into women's health. Someone needed me to fill in, and I was like, oh, gosh, I did not pay attention in school when we talked about <laughs> pelvic health. Oh, my gosh. So I had to figure it out as I went along and I ended up falling in love with it. And I was like, well, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And um, I had no reason really to think that I had any issues with my pelvic health. You know, I never had any pain with using tampons or anything like that. And I never, um, I haven't had a baby or like I haven't ever leaked on myself ever. And um, I had sex and it was horrible and Mm. really, really painful. And um, I also, I think before that was peeing a little when I was running and I was like, oh my goodness. Like, okay, well, girl, you have to find out what I go through. (laughs) Like, (laughs) fix this. So when I saw what it did for me and then my patients, I was just, I was hooked and fell Mm -hmm. in love and will never go back. Yeah. So let's, let's backtrack a smidge. That's like, I feel like that happens to a lot of women where they assume that they're completely fine, totally normal. Everything down there is good as far as they know. And then they start having sex and things are not great. And they're like, oh, well, number one, I was sold a bill because this this is horrible. This is not great. Uh, I get why my mom said we just do it for w- once and that's it, um, you know, and then and then you start having all these other problems afterwards, like what a negative connection you must have drawn um, to to sex, like right yeah. in the beginning, which I think it was helpful that I knew that there was help and I'd seen a ton of other people get better. And so, I, you know, I, I wasn't really ever discouraged as much as I was frustrated and um, felt very unsexy. Mm -hmm. And thankfully, I had a husband who was super wonderful and awesome and patient and kind about it. But not everybody has that, which just adds to the isolation feeling Mm -hmm. of it. So I mean, it was it was definitely um, an eye opening experience to get to understand what my patients were going through as well. But um, anyway, it was it was a fairly painless transition to, to figure out how to have sex pain-free and yeah. Uh, how and long yes, did it take you? Like once you started, I mean, cause you had an idea of what was going on with you. Right. So once you went in and got treatment, like how long did it take you to kind of recoup all everything? Yeah. Um, mine is probably, my experience was a little bit more on the milder side as mm-hmm. far as rehab, rehab, whatever, um, therapy goes. So mine, I mean, I, from when I was having painful sex to when I stopped was maybe a couple months. 
um, to where it was like fully no pain at all, um, which of course there's a transition to where it's just a little uncomfortable and then it's totally fine, which for some people that's, that's really, really quick. And for some people can get better much quicker than that. So, yeah, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. So we're going to, we're going to jump right into the thing that's on my mind because I've, I've (laughs) ranted, I've ranted about this before. Also it's my show. So that's why I get to do (laughs) it. So it works. Um, so there, we it has happened. If you are a woman and you have, a, if you have a uterus, let's just put it that way. If you have a uterus, this has happened to you undoubtedly. Where at some point, some you're either about to have a baby or you're reaching a certain age. There's two things that happen, and some well-meaning, kind woman will make a joke about how when you pee or cough, like when you cough or when you laugh or when you touch your toes on the trampoline, like you're going to pee a little. It's just like something that happens now. Like this right. is just your life now. Like you've had a baby. So get ready to wear, you know, poise pads for the rest of your adult <laughs> life. And it's just this like yeah. foreboding, like dun, dun, dun. But then they laugh at the end, like, ha, ha, ha. like it's funny. And I'm like, um, I'm sorry, you just told like a young, healthy person that they're going to pee their pants a little for the rest of their life. And then you laughed and then you walked off. So like, let's talk about that, uh, primarily because I'm about to have a baby and I am going to be changing her diaper. And I don't particularly want to also be changing my diaper. Like that's not a mother daughter bonding experience that I want to have. Um, so talk, talk to me about that. That is like a big perpetuated, like people talk about that. Like it's the most normal thing in the world. And it's not in fact a normal function of our bodies when they're all like in alignment. Is that correct? Yeah. I love, first of all, you're freaking hilarious, but I love, love, love that you brought this up. Um, I have a love hate relationship with that phrase. Um, it's common, but not normal. Um, I love it and I hate it. Okay. I love it because, you know, we really do need to let people know that, these things are not things that should be happening to your body or that you need to just tolerate, you know, whether it's painful sex or peeing on yourself or, you know, fill in the blank, your organs falling out of your vagina, like whatever it is that people are telling you is something you should expect. And it's just a part of being a woman. It's not. But one of the things that I don't totally love about that phrase is that I never want any woman ever to feel not normal. And so, you know, yes, it is. If you pee on yourself after you have a baby, girl, well, it's you fine. Yeah, join it's club. fine. <laughs> <laughs> there are so many women out there who do it. However, I want you to say, I just pushed a baby out of my vagina or I just had a C-section and I am a freaking rock star. I am peeing on myself. Let's listen to that and then get help. You know, like, don't be like, oh, well, this is just a side effect of having a baby. It's your body's way of telling you, hey, you need to pay attention to this area or give me some, you know, assistance here. Yeah, It's like, we're glad that people, everyone should feel open about sharing what's going on with them. But it's yeah. the it the dangerous part is the accepting that that's just yeah. their life now because it doesn't have to be. So for people, yeah. if I sounded harsh when I said that, A, it's just my personality and B, it's that <laughs> I don't, I, I think it's that, it's that I get upset where I know that there's something that can be done about it. And so when women are like, oh, that's just how it's going to be forever, ha ha ha. And I'm like, I know that you don't enjoy peeing on yourself when you yeah. jump on the trampoline with your kids or go for a run or, you know, like I, I know that's not something that's fun. And so yes, you should talk about it. You should feel zero shame about it. There is nothing, you're not broken and it's nothing that cannot be repaired, but there's also hope and there's also an optimal way of functioning. And we want to support everybody and educate everybody in getting that. Oh yeah. I I would rather, I would love like it's common, but it doesn't have to be your new normal. And like, you know, it, it really, we need to listen to our pelvic floor. Like we listen to shoulder pain, you know, you've got shoulder pain. You're like, Oh, something's wrong. Let's address it. Let's not live with it for the rest of our lives. And, and I cannot, Oh, cause I can't tell you how many patients I've seen that will come to me for whatever, whether it's peeing on myself themselves, or I think what really makes me mad is the painful sex Mm -hmm. in there. Whatever other medical provider told them, you just got to suck it up. Mm-hmm. Like, keep trying. <laughs> doesn't feel good for everyone. Um, oh, the worst one was you're a woman. It's not necessarily supposed to feel good to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, bleep, bleep, bleep. Yeah. <laughs> 
just drink wine, like, and, you know, get over oh it, you know, just I just get want- drunk and push through girl. Oh my God. <laughs> Horrible. So-, so irresponsible. That, that pisses me off in a big way. <laughs> no, it makes me feel violent, like physically violent, yeah. sweating out my armpits a little bit. That could be pregnancy, but also I get really mad about stuff like that. <laughs> Well, I think it's like an injustice mindset. And, you know, mm-hmm. we, we think of it as like they're being, it's unjust that that was said to them. And we just want to, anyway. And is well, it? And I don't want to steal focus from like this conversation that's empowering this one specific thing. But I can guarantee you that if a man walked into the room and was like, yo, my dick hurts when I have sex, they wouldn't be like, <laughs> just drink wine and get over it. Like, it's really not supposed to feel good. That wouldn't be the case. No, no one would say that. No. So let's just remember that too. Okay. Um, speaking of the the pain and pushing through the pain. So I conducted a little poll when I knew that I was going to talk to you once we got it nailed down and I asked everyone on the, on the Insta interwebs, if they had ever experienced pain, you know, while having sex during intercourse. And I think the way I put it was, um, like every, a, everything is awesome all the time or B, like, yeah, it happens, but I just push through. Yeah. 53% said that they experience pain at some point during intercourse and they just push through. Yeah. Um, let's talk about some of the most common um, reasons that you're experiencing pelvic pain when you're having sex and some yeah. of the conditions and just give some language and some <laughs> symptoms around that so that people might understand if they've never seen anyone about it, it might give them an idea of how to like go down the rabbit hole and figure out how to help themselves. Can we do that? Yeah, absolutely. I, um, we'll talk about this all day long. I love it so much. Um, I guess there's different, I mean, there's obviously different reasons that people are having pain. Okay. So some of the more generic ones that I won't dive too deep into, you've got like what I like to call outer pelvic pain. So like my hip hurts, my back hurts, you know, things that are more outside that can still be pelvic floor related, but they feel more outside of your body, you know, outside of your pelvic floor. Um, but then you've got your actual vagina or your vulva that is causing issues, which I mean, just side note, if anyone doesn't know, um, the out side portion of your groin is called your vulva, not your vagina. So exactly. when you're saying the vagina does not encompass all of no. the parts, <laughs> your vagina is just the inside part, the yeah. little canal. So, um, you can have pain in different, different areas. Any sort of pain with penetration is called dyspareunia. So you can have pain with, which is, this is what I experienced where it was pain initially with initial insertion. But once you're got like, usually once you're going, you're fine. And it has to do with like tension of the tissues or it can do with dryness. Um, there's some women who can have pain with, um, max penetration or even after or with or after orgasming, they can have pain. Some women have pain with positions. So especially like pregnant women. Um, I don't know if you're dealing with this. Yeah, I don't girl. <laughs> dealing with discomfort. This. Things that yeah. used to work fine and now they just don't. And yeah. We're down to like two positions. <laughs> yeah. So that's really common. Like, you know, um, gosh, we, all the positions that worked for us no longer work for us because, you know, whether it's just logistically, I have this belly now or um, like even just with penetration, it doesn't feel super great. Um, With all of these, there are things that you can do. All right. Now, sometimes with pregnancy or with some other orthopedic issues there, you know, it's not the same, but (laughs) if you're you're having pain with penetration, the first thing I would ask women is, are you allowing your body to get ready for sex? So the female's body is not like a man's where, and I think that we were designed so beautifully like this, because if we were both like a man, we could just have sex, like penetrative sex, like right then. And oh, it would be so boring. There would wouldn't, so there wouldn't be gourmet sex. It would just be quickies no. all the time. It, all, it would just be quickies all the time. And so our need for creativity wouldn't be there. The women's body is supposed to go through this, like, prep phase, you know, which for some women can be like five to 10 minutes. For some women, it can be 15 to 20 minutes or sometimes even longer where your body's actually doing stuff to prepare for penetration, which is the coolest thing in the world. And like your vaginal canal opens and like blood goes to the area and like things soften and softens and you get, you know, lubrication and it's so beautiful. So for some people who just don't know a lot about sex, especially my, um, women who have waited to have sex until they got married and then they have sex and they don't 
No, especially if they came from a conservative background and they mm-hmm. don't know anything. They just think that they're supposed to be able to like receive a penis right then. And they're yeah. really confused and frustrated. And that's not how it works. So yeah. um, for some women, it's a foreplay issue. For some women, it's a lubrication issue, especially if you're dealing with hormonal changes. So um, maybe you've never needed lubrication before and now you do. So try that. Um, and then for some women, it's an actual pelvic floor dysfunction issue where your muscles are really tight um, or something else is going on. So you've got conditions like if you want to Google like vulvodynia, vestibulodynia or, um, but dis- vaginismus. Vaginismus. Dyspnea yeah. is just the general term that we use to describe that. So I hope that answered your question. Awesome. Main yeah. thing is for all those 50, whatever percent, um, I that would doesn't have to be have your norm either. <laughs> getting help, going to talk to somebody. I mean, what's that? What is pain-free kick butt sex worth to you? Like, yeah. I mean, go talk that's to somebody. It's a lot, guys. It's <laughs> a lot. I'm like, if you've never had it, like, that's also a possibility that makes me really sad, where if you do think that that is what it's supposed to be like, right. it, it's not. Like, it's it's supposed to be pleasurable. Like, you have, ladies, you have a piece of equipment that literally its only purpose is to bring pleasure. You don't pee through it. You don't have a baby through <laughs> it. You don't defecate through it. Like, it is literally there with 8,000 nerve endings just to get you off. That's it. I'm like, that's, it's meant to be fun. Like this is supposed to be good. (laughs) And on that, on that note, I'm glad you mentioned that because there's some women who don't have any pain. Sex Mm. is pleasurable, but they've never had an orgasm Mm. and they don't actually know why they haven't had an orgasm. Um, if it's like, sometimes it's just a, they don't understand their body and how it works, but sometimes it's a, it's a muscular issue that they're not having orgasms. Some people never, some people after they've had a baby, they, they aren't having orgasms. So that's something to, that is not something you need to stick with for the rest of your life. You can have an orgasm and they can be awesome. So that, and, and that's actually an awesome point that you bring up because I was talking with someone recently who hasn't been able to experience orgasm um, in any way for two, like two years now. So like at some point she did, she but she, she can't achieve it through um, masturbation or with a partner or anything. Yeah. And it's interesting that you said that because I, I would not have thought of that. I'm like, I know that for me, when I go down the rabbit hole, I'm like, so it's either your body or it's your brain or it's both of them together. But like, that's coming from somewhere because at some point you did and now you're not. Right. Um, and who knows her exact situation, but knowing that it could be a muscular thing is very interesting. Yeah. Uh, so I would, en- I would encourage anyone who is experiencing that to follow that <laughs> down the rabbit hole and see where that takes you. Cause Absolutely. that's really interesting. You're right. Sometimes it is a brain and emotional emotions. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Mm -hmm. Well, that's good stuff. (laughs) So what's hilarious is I do a segment uh, called uh, asking for a friend where I allow people like when I'm in and when I speak in person, I actually have cards that say hashtag asking for a friend so that people can write on them anonymously and submit questions. And that yeah, nobody has to get up at the microphone and you know, ask about butt stuff because some people are just not ready. Um, But they want to know everybody secretly wants to know like everyone is thinking it and they just need somebody to read it out loud for them. So I love doing that. Um, I love getting those through the inbox as well. And just like asking the questions. So I have a couple of good ones that I thought we could just cycle through together. Um, my, we'll, we'll start with my favorite one because she was laughing and it makes me laugh as well. Um, so what happens when you go to a pelvic floor therapist, what do they do? And do I have to take off my pants? Was her biggest <laughs> concern. <laughs> and I was like, you know, I haven't, I haven't actually been to one yet. I assume yes, but I don't want to freak anyone out unnecessarily. So like, <laughs> Let's talk through what happens just so that it's not scary. It's like, if you're going to go, these are the, these are the scenarios that are possible. (laughs) Right. Yes, it definitely. I mean, what we do is so varied based on what you're coming in for. So, um, most of the time, if you are having issues peeing with your vagina or with your bowel movements or anything like that, you probably are going to want to do an internal exam. It is always an option always an option. Okay. There were, you know, when I was in Louisiana, there were a lot of women who didn't feel comfortable doing an internal exam. And so I had to figure out how to treat them without knowing what their muscles were doing. Um, so it is optional. However, highly, highly, highly encouraged to do an internal exam. You know, if you like, we mentioned shoulder pain, I like the shoulder cause it's like right here and you can see yeah. it. Um, but 
if you come to me with shoulder pain, how weird would it be if I tried to fix you without actually testing your muscles and touching yeah. your shoulder, right? It so <laughs> yeah, so your your vagina isn't just this mythical creature that's a part of the rest of your organs. There's actual muscles in there yeah. that just you know, anyway. Yeah. And so, by, and by feeling and examining yeah. and seeing how they're firing and communicating with each other, you get a sense of what's happening so that you can prescribe appropriate treatment so that you can recover. Yes. So ladies, if you're... Kegels are not for everyone. Like, right. Not no. everyone should be doing Kegels or a lot of people out there are doing them the wrong way and actually making things a lot worse. Ooh, so talk about that. Yes. Talk about that. Okay. So, one of the things we do in a pelvic floor exam is if we're doing an internal exam, or sometimes you can even tell this externally as well uh, without doing a digital. So the way we do in, uh, internal exams is not with equipment or anything. Usually it's just a gloved finger. So for those of you who are like, oh my gosh, going to see an OB hurts so much. Like I don't want to have another pelvic exam. Totally different pelvic yeah. exam. No speculum situation. No, okay. Yeah. Very, very <laughs> chill. Okay. Um, Very chill. One finger guys. You can handle a finger. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and, and remind me, is this, a, is this, is yours? Um, do you post video or is it just audio? It's audio, but I, I record video. So eventually I could literally put these on YouTube. So if you want to give any visuals, <laughs> go ahead. Like I didn't really think through that before because yeah. I'm in my pajamas for almost all of them, but I, I don't care. We'll, no, we'll that's okay. That. I'll do great. I'll, I'll be great at describing. So, yeah. Um, when we're testing the pelvic floor muscles, you can lift up and in with those pelvic floor muscles. Like you're trying to stop the flow of urine, hold in gas. Um, my favorite lift up a grape with your vagina, you know, you're lifting up and in, but you can also push down like you're trying to birth a baby or you're having a difficult bowel movement or you're trying to like power pee, you know, that feeling where you're pushing, right? Mm, yeah. So some women, when I'm like, okay, lift up and in, like you're trying to hold in gas, they actually push down. Mm. And so... Um, when they sneeze, when they cough, their body's actually pushing instead of lifting. And they're so pushing they're, pee out when they do stuff. Okay. And then in some cases, women, you know, can voluntarily lift up their pelvic floor muscles, but I'm like, okay, pretend to cough for me. And they push. I'm like, okay, well, they're misfiring. That's yeah. why I'm peeing on yourself right yeah. now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so there can be a, a lack of coordination there that we'll work on. And um, so that's why I highly, highly recommend doing an internal exam. But to kind of address the question that was asked, um, a general sit down for me is going to look different than maybe another physical therapist. But we usually sit down. So let's say you come to me, which how far along are you? I am uh, seven months. Seven so we're, months. We're getting close. So it'll be soon. It'll be. Awesome. <laughs> She's so let's due in you, January. <laughs> you call me and you're like, hey, I am seven months pregnant. Um, I want to dominate labor and hopefully make my recovery a little bit better. So all you, those things. Yes. Yeah. All those things. You and I would sit down and we'd go over your, you know, health history, abdominal surgeries, past births. How did those go? What are your concerns? What are your goals? All those other things. Cause that all kind of ties into your pelvic health. We would talk about it. We would do an external exam. So I'm looking at how do you move? Um, how, where's your strength? You know, some women are only peeing when they're doing CrossFit or doing box jumps or whatever. So I'm looking at, okay, how are you moving? Where's the issues there? And then we'll do, if you're, if you're up for it, an internal exam. And, and then we go from there with, you know, kind of your game plan. And I like for that, for that person who asks like, what, what do you do? Um, we are a tool in your toolbox. So whatever you need is kind of what we do. Like if you need fitness prescription that kind of ties in your pelvic health, that's what we do. If you need a lot of manual therapy, that's what we do. That's amazing. So going back just a little bit to what we were talking about just a minute ago with like Kegels and how they don't work for everybody. What is your stance and your opinion on two different things? We'll break it up because they're both very popular things and some women grab them and use them. And I know, you know, basically <laughs> what I'm about to say, um, without doing proper research and without kind of like figuring out what their baseline is before they start using them. So the two items are LV, like the trainers, what we think about those. And then the glorious jade eggs, which I disclaimer, I own them. I own some, yeah. um, did a lot of research before I started using them and I didn't go buy the biggest one I could find and plop it into my vagina and start walking around all day. So <laughs> that being said, give me your thoughts right. on like trainers and those kind of tools. Sure. Um, the biggest thing is, gosh, I would, I would be very hesitant if you have pelvic 
pain, if you have dyspnea of any kind, to just not go see anyone and then use these, all right? Um, mainly because your issue could be a lot of too much tension. Like we like to say your muscles are upregulated or downregulated, like you're using them too much or you're not using them enough. So if you're using those muscles too much already, then using them more is probably not going to help your situation. You need to learn how to chill those muscles out. I actually just got, um, talking about the LV, I tried uh, intimate Rose has mm -hmm. a brand of, you know, the trainer. And my biggest question was, okay, is it going to, um, you know, it senses whether or not you're, it senses the pressure to say if you're lifting or whatever. My question was, is it also going to register if I'm pushing? Mm. So if I'm pushing, is it going to register to tell me that I'm going the wrong way or yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so while it doesn't necessarily tell you, Hey, you're pushing, you're not lifting. It doesn't register it as a lift, which is good. So if your issue is weakness, I love those tools. I think they're great. What I would recommend is seeing somebody, even if it's just one visit and being like, Hey, can you tell me if I'm weak? tight or both. Yes. And can I use this at home? Yes. And, but I think they're awesome tools to use. Um, if it's almost like, you know, those fitness programs that are like, consult your doctor before, yeah. you know, and you're program. like, but seriously, consult your doctor. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> but seriously, I would, I would. Give yeah. Um, <laughs> I think because that was one of the things that I was finding out, like when I was reading was that so many women, um, you know, they, they basically just connect the part and this, this is marketing guys. And this is why we have to yeah. be careful because basically they're like, Oh, you want stronger orgasms, put this jade orb in your vagina and walk around. And so women are like, of course I want stronger orgasms. Right. Like I'm not having a great time. So I'm going to put this egg in here and see what happens. And like you're saying, if they already, if their issue is the tension and that they're too tight, then they're, they're just, they're do, doing damage basically. Right. Um, so yeah, I think that's brilliant to just go and do a once over and just be like, Hey, can you just tell me if I'm like loose or if I'm tight and like which way I need to go with that? I think that's awesome. Yeah. And if you don't have a pelvic floor therapist near you and you want to try those things, there is, there are some people who I'd be like, Oh, don't do that. But there, most people like, it's not really going to do a lot of harm. You're just going to not get better yeah. and things might get a little, you're not going to like damage your vagina, but you may notice you're peeing a little more or your prolapse gets a little worse because your muscles are getting tighter and tighter and tighter and they're not closing. So that's like, Oh, well maybe the jade egg isn't the problem. Maybe you just need to go see somebody. So yeah, there you go. <laughs> Um, so another, a lot of the questions that came in, which are also now on my mind are very much related to postpartum. So especially for women like me, this is our, my first baby. So I've never, I've never been pregnant or had a, had a baby before. Um, so explain first what happens to the pelvic floor when it is supporting, uh, <laughs> pregnancy and going through yeah. pregnancy and the way in which it changes. And then some of the things that you would immediately work on postpartum to like kind of help recover. Sure. I love working with pregnant women. In fact, a lot of people are like, well, how soon is too soon? And I'm like, there is no such thing no. as too soon. Like, um, especially gosh, if you are pregnant in an ideal world, I would love for you to go see somebody just, Hey, I'm pregnant. Can you give me some things that I need to be working on? Can you look at my pelvic floor? Tell me what my baseline is. Cause if we know your baseline after you have your baby, it'll be a whole lot easier to mm -hmm. understand where you're coming from. So we'll set uh, up my appointment like right after we get yes! here. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yes. Cause I haven't done that. <laughs> yes. Good to know. And, um, so even if you're symptom free, like you're pregnant, but you're symptom free, I highly recommend most insurances will cover it. Um, get you an appointment. All right. Look at your pelvic floor because your body is about to go through crazy changes in the next few months. All right. So you're going to get a ton of hormones going through your system. So all, you know, you're going to start relaxing. And so if those muscles aren't nice and strong, you're going to start it. You could experience like back pain, joint pain, pubic bone pain. That's really common. Um, you could start leaking on yourself a little bit, especially as you get that baby gets heavier and heavier. It's so much pressure. Um, the other thing that I think is so smart, we, um, our bodies are so smart is that, as we get our baby grows and we get heavier, there's a lot more pressure on those organs and on our pelvic floor. And so you can be at risk for um, prolapse, which is just where the organs tend to kind of come down into the vaginal canal. Sometimes they like 
come out the vaginal canal. So fun. That's so exciting. <laughs> yeah, that's so fun. Um, and then that kind of just um, gets worse when you're pushing, you know, in labor. Um, gosh, where was I going with that? But anyway, oh, so our bodies need rest. So one of the things that I would recommend, especially where you're at and further on down the road, is taking time to be horizontal, taking time to relax throughout the day. We have this mindset where we're like, I'm going to dominate my pregnancy and I'm yeah. going to dominate rehab. I'm going to like stay get, fit and then I'm going to bounce back and get in my pants yeah. for three months and all the nonsense. That's yeah. it's too yeah. much. <laughs> yeah. Which good for you for wanting to be active. And I think that's yeah. important. It's important to be healthy, but it's also important um, to not be working 80 hour weeks and exercising four hours a day and not giving yourself time to yeah. relax. And rest. after the baby is out, make sure your guts are back where they belong before you start getting crazy with your workouts and stuff. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Your pelvic floor goes through a lot. And during labor, I mean, it is so traumatic. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I don't want to say traumatic, like horrible, bad, but like, think you've got these people who run marathons and it's awesome. And you train for the marathon and then there's a recovery period after the marathon mm -hmm. because you go through all these crazy things during the marathon and labor is the same way, whether you have a vaginal birth or a C-section, um, you are going to want to be preparing for that birth, especially, especially if you're having an active labor, mm -hmm. highly recommend working with a therapist or a doula, um, or a midwife getting to know how you can better position, better breathe through your pushes, all that good stuff. So, um, questions about pregnancy and labor before we get a postpartum. Yeah, I think so. Basically my plan is, um, I'm delivering at home with a midwife and a midwife's assistant and a doula and my husband, um, <laughs> which is going to be great. And I have been doing, especially lately because I'm feeling stretched and heavy and sore and tired. And so a lot of what I was doing, I was doing like three mile walks with the dog and yoga classes and all the things. And now it's more like 28 minutes of very like breathing intensive hip opening side stretching kind of yoga with some squats thrown in for pelvic floor support. Um, but I haven't like, what can I be doing? I'm going to have a very active labor. So what can I be doing to like support and not not hinder or overwork or the area I'm going to be using? Like, is what would you say? Gotcha. Um, for late stage pregnancy, I love, um, position work. So you're doing squats, which I think is great because a lot of women, as you know, as a doula love the deep squat or the squatted position during labor. For some reason, mm -hmm. for a lot of women, it just feels good. Um, so if those positions, um, especially as you're getting closer and closer toward labor, if you find yourself really loving certain positions to make yourself feel better, practice being in those positions because during labor, you could be doing that position for a while. So mm. do you have the quad strength to be able Just to hold, your hold. yeah, <laughs> you know, and then, um, flexibility is huge, like perineum, um, flexibility. So mm -hmm. I love like child's pose stretch and happy baby stretch and just getting your perineum to relax. Um, I love perineal massages. So vaginal massages for people who are late stage pregnancy to just kind of prepare the va uh, vaginal wall to birth. Yeah. I know Mike's like on board. I was like, listen, you're going to have to start. That's, that's going to be a thing we're doing soon. He's like, I'm all about it. He's like, point it out. Give me this stuff. Like, what are we, what are we, what are we, when are we going? When are we doing it? Um, he is, he's amazing. He's an all-star. Um, but let's see pregnancy brain, bring it back in. I was like, that reminded me of something else that I wanted to ask you. Oh, so I made up this great story in my head that, it, I mean, it makes perfect sense to me that having a solid orgasm a day, like keeps the leakage away, like keeps everything <laughs> like tone and stuff. Like, is that an actual thing? Is there anything to support that claim that I make to myself? Or is it just like, yeah, that's cool or, or not. Yeah. <laughs> I love, love orgasms personally and as prescriptive medicine. I mean, so hell yeah, girl. <laughs> and I feel like if I tell my female patients, Hey, you need to be having more orgasms. And they tell their husband, I have a job for life. Mm -hmm. because my husband wants me. Oh yeah. <laughs> Do you write it? Can you write it on a prescription pad and send it home with them? You're like more orgasms. Here you go. 
give this to your husband. I, <laughs> this is your I, note. <laughs> I love it because especially for people who have trouble connecting with their pelvic floor, they can't strengthen it. For some reason, they can't lift and relax, but they're, the function's there. So having those orgasms helps um, fire because it's firing those muscles, right? So I love it for like incontinence. I love it for labor prep. And even just it's a strengthening tool. So you're going to have a kick butt recovery after you deliver this baby, the more orgasms you have beforehand. (laughs) Right. Love it. I feel so validated right now. I'm so excited. Well, because I I was telling my husband, yeah, I was telling my husband that because I, number one, obviously sex, like the full experience of partnered sex is a lot of work and a lot of energy. Um, so a lot of times it's just like daily self-pleasure. I'm just like, this is a thing that we are doing to make sure that we're like on top of the situation. Like it also keeps, it also makes me want it like, you know, so that I can continue connecting with my husband, which is great. Some women Um, don't want, don't feel sexy during labor. And so I don't want any women to be like, oh my gosh, I don't feel sexy. Like, I don't want to have sex. I don't want to have orgasms. Like, you know, I just don't feel like it right now. Okay. Too guys. That's, That's okay. okay. That's okay. I'm asking from a very personal place, guys. Like, <laughs> you can still strengthen your pelvic floor, you know, yeah, without doing any of that yeah. stuff. Um, but if you want to orgasm while you're pregnant and you need <laughs> some self-pleasure it. tips for pregnancy, I am here for you. Uh, slide into my DMs and I will let you know what I'm doing. I'll let you know what I'm using. It's all great. It's all gentle. It's all cool. Um, seems to be working for me. Haven't haven't peed on myself yet. So success. Good. Good. <laughs> all right. Let me see what else we have in the question box over here. Um, let's see. Oh, this was a good one. I loved this one. She said, is it true that it can also affect bowel movements? That was something that someone had heard and wasn't sure there. We hear a lot about the peeing. What, tell us how the pelvic floor, obviously it is all connected, but I think it's very easy for us to like segment stuff out and everyone's so focused on the peeing situation. Like what's happening with the poop. Right. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. I'm glad you said that. Um, yes. A lot of women don't think there's a connection. In fact, I'll, I'll do, um, you know, someone will come to me because they're peeing on themselves. Right. And then, you know, a couple months in, they're like, Oh, I'm not peeing on myself. And you know what else I've noticed? I also can hold in my farts now. And I'm like, why did I not ask you that? Like, you know, I get, (laughs) why did I, why did I not ask if you're holding your farts in? Like, I just didn't, I forgot, yeah. man. I, okay. I, I, yeah. So <laughs> you find that you, you know, have to walk out of a room because you can't hold in gas. Um, if you feel like you can't have a bowel movement without pushing, um, by the way, you should not be having to like Valsalva and bear down to have a bowel movement. Okay. Now don't get me wrong. There's like the occasional constipation that somebody might be dealing with and um, that's fine. But if you are having regular constipation, if you're having regular diarrhea, if you have IBS, if you um, feel like you can't, some women will even have like fecal incontinence, mm. which where you kind of leak a little um, bowel. In- Sharding. Sharding. Is what that's called. Yes. Yes, or Never even trust a fault. Yeah. have a bowel movement and then they feel like they can't ever clean. Like it just feels like they just can't ever get clean. So all of those things are also indications of, of pelvic floor issues for sure. Right. Or sometimes dietary issues as well. Yes. Well, and that's another thing that has come up like w- during pregnancy is I'm, I'm convinced, I think there's probably proof for this as well, mm-hmm. that like, because of all the hormones and stuff, like definitely poops have been off. They're not the same champion, like grade that they were before. Definitely not. Um, but I also refuse to sit on the toilet for too long or to force anything that is not wanting to happen. That's where the hemorrhoids come in. Like I know that sometimes people are are getting them anyway because of the blood, the double in blood volume and the veins. Like when you have um, varicose veins and things, I think you're more likely to experience that. But I also think that it's because women sit on the toilet for a really long time and they try to force something that is that is not coming. It feels like it should, but it's not. And I think that that contributes to pregnancy hemorrhoids. And I, fingers crossed, knock on wood, all the things, prayers to Jesus, all of them. Um, I have I have not experienced any of those yet. I have a squatty potty, which I'm a big fan of. Yes. Um, getting into position. Can we talk about that for just a second? Yes. I know that's like not, not your total thing, but it is all connected. So let's talk about like, pooping position and why that matters. It is important. And even like for peeing as well. I mean, these positions go for either one. Um, You want to, I love toilets that are short, like small toilets. So like, I don't know if any of y'all like 
grew up in the church where you have like the kids stalls at the old school Baptist churches. Oh yeah. Really I always use those. <laughs> <laughs> like those are awesome. But uh, what's more popular now, especially in the aging population is to having toilets that are higher so that as you, you age, it's easier, right, yeah. easier to get off them, which is fine, which is why I love the squatty potty. Because when you're sitting, ideally, I'd love for your knees to be a little higher than your hips when you're sitting on the toilet. You want your feet fat, flat on the floor, um, and for some women, it feels better to like lean on their, like their forearms on their, um, legs. So not sitting back and like on your phone, like everyone feels like they take their phone to the yeah. bathroom and, you know, <laughs> all the time. Um, and then the other reason I like the squatty potty is because, and, and stool in general, I don't want to feel like I'm like, you know, supporting. No, you can use a tiny trash can flipped over. Uh, just be careful that it's stable because we've all, ha- we've all been there. <laughs> yeah. You can use a cooler or a box. Like it, it doesn't have to be an official squatty potty, just elevating, bringing your knees up, um, is helpful. So continue. And not everyone's innards are, you know, wired the same way. So the important thing is that when you're peeing or you're defecating, that you are able to relax and breathe and you're not having to like, like hold your breath and push. That's just bad habits to get into. Moms get into that habit because they don't have time to pee. They're hurting. Yeah. Oh no. Um, Have time to have a bowel movement. So they force it out. It is not a good habit to get in. So Mm -hmm. yes, I love talking to people about positioning so that you can relax and avoid things like hemorrhoids or mm-hmm. prolapse. You know, if you're yes. constantly pushing, it's not, not good. Guys, rose budding, it sounds cuter than it is. Like if you, I don't encourage anyone to Google that, especially if people check your computers regularly. However, that is something I stumbled upon one day on urban dictionary. And apparently that's anal prolapse. So rose budding, we don't want that. No, at all. No. no, it sounds like a fun, like sisterhood ritual, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is not fun. It can happen for people with like, constipated all the time, yeah. pushing, or lifters or yeah, too much yeah. force, too much force. Also moms. And I'm saying this because I would like to be held accountable. Also, once I am officially one, um, if you do not have the time to pee. There is a boundary issue at play. So let's just keep that in mind. If you're having to force your pee out because you don't have the time to have a proper pee, that is like when a true self-care really needs to be visited. I'm not talking about decadent chocolate cake and getting your nails done. I'm talking about mom needs five to seven minutes to sit on the toilet and empty her bladder in an appropriate way. That is not too much to ask. You're worthy of pee time. You are worthy of pee time. (laughs) And if you think about it, you're not really saving that much time anyway. No. And you're stressed out. And also if you're pooping and breaking out into like a mist or a fine sweat, like that's not a good sign. It's just not. (laughs) Unless hot chicken was involved and that was a mistake and you're just going to have to like (laughs) wait that one out. Um, That has happened to us. Oh my God. All right, let me see what else we have. Make sure that the questions get answered. I was like, I will oh, ask, ask something that I did not entirely answer about postpartum care. So, yes, yes. Um, yeah, so, um, you know, so once we've done the thing. Start doing yeah. things, you know, whatever. Um, your body went through a huge trauma, right? So, you basically just had surgery. Whether you had a C section or you had a vaginal birth, you had a lot of trauma to your body. So I tell women, please set up a support system ahead of time, especially if you have toddlers and you just had a baby, um, because all of that heavy lifting, all that running around is really, really hard on those pelvic floor muscles that have not come back together. And so if you are, you're like, whether you're just too busy and you can't take time to relax, or you're one of those that's like, I'm going to get my pre-baby body back. Um, please remember that one, it took your body nine months to get that way. And then two, normal healing times for tissue. So if you, um, whatever, have abdominal surgery or you have an ACL tear or whatever, normal healing times are 12 weeks at least mm-hmm. for those tissues. So if you feel like you feel good at six weeks, but you want to go out and run, um, I would just be super careful and really listen to your body. Okay. Are you, um, experiencing any leaking at all? Are you having any feelings of like pressure heaviness? Because that might 
indicate that you're not holding your organs up appropriately. So mm-hmm. those are some things to consider as well, but definitely, definitely. So on the timeline, would I come to, would I come to you after my like six week, like, you know, like the six week checkup, yeah. like, is that a good time to be like, Hey, can we poke around with the pelvic floor and see like what's happening and what I need to be doing? Like, is that yeah, for, so for usually- most people? Right. So usually after you have um, gotten your checkup, after you've stopped bleeding, usually um, is when, if you're a new patient, that's when I'll start working with you. If you, if I was working with you before, then there are definitely things that you can be doing, you know, even before that time. My thing is there's so many in in the, the OB community is changing on this as well. There's so many women who feel so isolated in those six weeks that if you feel like, you you're you're disconnected from your body you're having all these issues there are things that you can be doing and people that you can be talking to in that interim which i think now the acog the um, obstetrics community is going toward more like a three-week checkup which is great because you know it's going to help with postpartum and all that good stuff but yeah usually for a new patient i'll start working with them as soon as they've been medically cleared love that okay awesome uh, the the last and like the biggest question that was asked in the most volume was what are some general if you have any like golden rules for overall pelvic health like what would those be if such a thing exists like for people who are healthy don't have any kind of trauma don't have anything going on probably you know not pregnant preg- you know whatever like for anybody what are yep. some things that you would say you can be doing or be aware of or be focused on to like maintain um, pelvic health sure um, love this question. I'm all about preventative medicine. So I think that's really, really important that you don't wait for your body to freak out. Um, first thing is listen to your, <laughs> listen to your body. So if you start don't to wait know- for your body to freak out. Okay. No. Everybody write that down. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, so if you start hearing some warning signs from your body, listen to them. Okay. So if you start to have some low back pain, if you start to have some hip pain or, um, sex starts to feel weird, or you start peeing on yourself a little bit, obviously you need to be, going to see somebody. But just generally speaking, if you're not having any issues at all, um, we mentioned a couple of them already. Stop power peeing, stop power pooping, stop hovering over the toilet, um, especially those people who do it every day at work. Like oh just God, sit. Yeah. Just sit <laughs> down. Just sit down. Carrie, do what I do, guys. If you're worried about like, I'm down for building thighs, but like you're doing that in the gym. So like, don't be an overachiever and try to hold a power squat over the toilet. Take your own like sanitary stuff. I spray off the toilet seat on my own and wipe it down in case that yeah. the bathroom is not outfitted. Just sit your butt <laughs> down. Like yeah. you're going to be fine. You need to sit down. <laughs> Yes. And I'm like, please, it's so bad for your pelvic floor. It's so bad. Um, Generally speaking, if you are going through major life changes with your pelvic floor, you need to go see a pelvic floor physical therapist. If you're going to have sex for the first time, um, if you are wanting to get pregnant, if you are are pregnant or just postpartum, um, or you're going through the big like hormonal stages, so like menopause and stuff like that, I would go yes. see a pelvic floor therapist. Otherwise, if you are totally symptom free, I would kind of treat it like your OB. You're going to see a pelvic floor therapist every three to five years. Nice. Um, just like, hey, how am I doing? Can routine I still maintenance. routine maintenance? Can I still lift up my pelvic floor? You know, am I still coordinated? And you know whatever. Um, that's what I would recommend. So, but for some people, um, people like me, um, people that have been symptomatic in the past, our body's baseline tends to be toward dysfunction. So if I don't do anything to my pelvic floor at all, and I don't take care of it at all, I will go back to incontinence and I will go back to dyspareunia. And I even tested it out. So like over like the past I don't know, however many months, like I was like, what's going to happen if I just stop doing anything pelvic floor related? And I started noticing after a few miles, I was like, I think I just peed a little bit. Okay. Like mm-hmm. that's a good indication yeah. that I need to like, You're like, I need care. to so stay on me, top of that stuff. Yes, you do. So for me, yeah. um, that looks like regular pelvic floor contractions. So now that's not like 10 minutes a day or anything like that. For me, I have a a visual cue. Like when I get in the shower, I have this little like 30 second pelvic floor routine that I do. And it's like super quick and easy, you know, just keep those muscles engaged. Um, And then also for me, relaxation is the biggest part. So teaching Mm -hmm. people how to relax those muscles, but um, you need to think about it like the rest of your body. You can't like 
totally neglect the muscles of your body and expect to be healthy and feel good for the rest of your life. You know, you yeah. need to treat your pelvic floor muscles like you treat your ab muscles. Yeah. Well, and our bodies are so cyclical and in every way, and especially for women, I think it's extremely important and I, I want to be extremely inclusive. So for anyone with, you know, functioning uterus, basically, I want you to understand that like our bodies go through such dynamic shifts and changes every single week. So it would make perfect sense that like kind of the seat and the house of all of that needs to be kept up with and we need to be in communication and checking in on her and making sure that yeah. she's doing great and all of that. So Absolutely. yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, I am, um, especially after having this conversation, I'm extremely sad that I'm no longer in Nashville, like right there with you. <laughs> um, but I do want, so for any of my listeners who are in the Nash, greater Nashville, like Franklin Cool Springs right. area, um, that is where Dr. Gordy practices. Tell me a little bit, you have a very unique setup for your practice. You have like a mobile situation, if I am correct. Tell yeah. me a little bit about how your practice is set up and how you see patients um, at home. Yeah, I'm 100% mobile, which I love. And I've gone back and forth on this, but I was at some birth panel this past week and they were talking about how, you know, we need to offer more services in home. And I was like, okay, fine. I won't go get a clinic. You know, like I just think, so I am a hundred percent mobile in that I come to your house, um, which I think is really helpful oh, for, yeah, for the whole taking the pants off thing. Like it feels way more normal to do it at your own house than somewhere else yeah. <laughs> for most people. Yes. Well, girl, I was, now this was when I was in a clinic, I will never, I mean, I will never forget. And most clinics, unfortunately can't financially allow for you to work with people one-on-one. -on -one. And mm -hmm. so, you know, I'd have someone in a treatment room and then I'd have like one or two people out in the gym. And so I've got like my finger up Sarah's vagina and like yelling for Mr. Smith to do more squats. Oh and, yeah. Like, I was, you know, this <laughs> person just is not, not so fun. comfortable. Like, you know, you're like, I don't particularly feel comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. All in home great for obviously comfort level, especially if you're having a lot of pain or you're peeing. Um, and then postpartum, I mean, you've got yeah. so many doctor's visits to go to. If I can do one of them in your home, like uh, that's just, that's amazing. Yeah, it yeah. really is. So there's a lot of people are kind of going toward that way, um, toward mobile, mobile care. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. Well, you have been absolutely incredible. I've loved every minute of this conversation. Very eye-opening um, for me and especially for the ladies listening in. I know that they're going to have lots of thoughts on this. Um, so tell us just a little bit, like, I would love for you to share anything that you are working working on right now, like more about your general mission passion and, of course, like where people can find you and get your resources because you do offer some resources and things online. Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, website plus one pt.net um, has a free kind of incontinence do some stuff at home type thing, um, which is a good introduction for some people. Um, I'm on Instagram, plus one physical therapy and Facebook. Um, for those people, I mean, I, I have a very similar mission to you, which is to just try and normalize the conversations about that, the vagina and the vulva and saying these words and making them less taboo. So on Facebook, I have a private Facebook group called Vino and Vaginas where we drink wine and nice. talk about I'm going to join that group, health. guys. <laughs> Vino <laughs> and Vaginas. I will put it in the show notes. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. 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 So that's, um, that's a good resource for people, but there are a lot of women who don't have access to a pelvic health therapist. Okay. And um, that's okay. I don't want you to feel like you're listening to this and you're like, well, dang it. Like I can't drive an hour and a half to go see somebody and this isn't fair. And like, I can't. So we're working on, there are so many resources online um, as far as taking care of your health via online programs. And so right now I'm trying to create something that is from a physical therapist. So the website's called pelvicproject.com and it is a work in progress. The first project is up, the bladder project. Um, soon to come will be the pregnancy project, postpartum project, and whatever else I feel like is needed. Um, but just trying to help women be able to do some stuff at home, you know? Yeah, so that's, um, that's kind of my heart is to make people feel heard and seen. I also come from a very conservative background, which is not, which is not bad, but I just feel like there's a lot of work to do on making these conversations a part of our teenagers, preteens lives. Yeah, girl. So, Sex yeah, education. Is a, yeah. It's a big yes. word. Um, 
kind of what I like to call the virgin vagina platform and trying to help um, with that. So those are my two big, my two big loves, my two big Oh my questions. gosh. Well, um, we will, I will literally be having you on again to, uh, go off on, that's a whole different conversation that I have. <laughs> so I have so many thoughts and things to say about that. Yeah. Um, and I know that you do as well. I was born and raised in North Carolina, so I totally get you. Um, it's, you know, not to pick on Southerners, but <clears throat> well, I grew up in the South, so I would be interested to poll Northerners and see yes. what, um, what their process and what their sex ed looked like. And, you know, just kind of, I just want to see if there's as much of a difference as I personally perceive. And, you know, I can, I can spot like a deep Southern girl, like from a mile away. Like I totally, I totally know, um, when she grew up in the Bible belt, the way that I did. (laughs) So we will definitely do that. But Dr. Gordy, you are incredible. Our baby boxes. Thank you. We are so grateful. Um, and I call it a baby box, whether there's been a baby in it or not. So that's not a judgment on anyone who doesn't want kids either. Um, but we're just grateful for your time and for your wisdom and for the resources and for everything that you are doing to further women's health and empower women to have more pleasurable, fulfilling lives. Yeah. Well, Kristen, thank you so much. You are awesome. It was a pleasure to, to be on your podcast. Hey, thank you so much for hanging in there and listening with an open and curious heart. I hope this conversation has inspired, educated, and entertained you, or at the very least, shaken things up in a productive way. Anne Voskamp says that shame dies when stories are told in safe places. So please share, rate, and review. Sending you love and dark chocolate. Talk soon.